0: I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. This never happened to the other fellow.
1: For your eyes only,
0: darling. mother she was must have scared the living daylights out of her.
1: Hello and welcome back to For Your Ears Only. This is the Optimism Vaccine Exclusive James Bond Podcast. We'll recover all things James Bond. Uh, episode 0023. I am your host, Jake Tropila, joined as always by Jack Eason. Jack, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm I'm holding up well. Glad to be back at this again, Jake. Uh, we we took a bit of a break because of originally because of Bond rescheduling and then uh, coronavirus rescheduling everything. So yeah. Uh, time to get back on track, back to the back to the grindstone.
1: Crazy to think, yeah. This the whole world imploded, and uh, here we are. We're uh, going through to the end, but uh, it's good to be back, and it's especially good to have Bond back. And I can't think of a more appropriate gap we could have taken than this between these series of films, because we are now in the Daniel Craig era of Bond. Uh, it's Casino Royale, ladies and gentlemen, um, the one you've all been waiting for. Uh, I'm excited. Jack, how are you feeling?
0: Uh, yeah, no, this is, this is a, uh, uh, every time they change Bond, it's always kind of interesting to see what happens, but I mean, I think I'm not going to step too far out of line in saying this is a pretty significant and I think positive uh, reformation of the franchise Absolutely.
1: Yeah, this is, uh,
0: you know, Die Another Day was, of course,
1: financially successful, but uh, maybe a little, uh, I don't want to say creatively bankrupt, but uh, they certainly swung too far in the wrong direction as, as that film goes. So, you know, I think uh, I think with a lot of the first time bonds, uh, they really kind of pull out the stops to bring their A game and uh, also at the same time dial things back to to more of the basics the stuff that works and uh i don't think any film does that better than casino royale this is really uh as far as the bond lore goes this is as about as pared down as you can get there's no gadgets there's no cue. uh it's very very plain but yet it's also very rich and flavorful and extraordinary and uh i love quite a great deal about this film um uh, and it certainly wastes no time. So, uh, I mean, what do you say we get into it? Any any uh, thoughts
0: before we start? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I suppose we, we could talk a little bit about... I mean, it seems like Daniel Craig kind of was ushered into this pretty no-nonsense-wise. They, they were thinking about Pierce Brosnan coming in, but it would have cost like $30 million, And also, he was 52 or so by this stage. So, yeah. the, And the, the idea of a rebirth, which had been floated a couple of times previously, of like uh, going back to a younger Bond and specifically maybe to... A, you know, a formative learning bond. Someone who's, you know, kind of at the start of his career rather than, you know, firmly entrenched in the middle of his career. Um, But like, so far as we're looking at it, um, it seemed like it was pretty much Daniel Craig largely off his layer cake role and Henry Henry Cavill was the other guy, but he was 22, so too young. Uh, Reportedly, Hugh Jackman turned it down and then there's just like a litany of actors uh, like Eric Bana and uh, Christian Bale and a bunch of others who who and Orlando Bloom and just a bunch of like every Oof. white man you could think of was <laughs> apparently was uh, offered the role, but then pretty much said, no, I was never offered it. Like, it, it seems like there was so, uh, so much, you know, and the rumor mill, I suppose for, for, was it? Four years, I guess. or well, a little less than four years of production was, kicking in between yeah. these, you know, between the, the last film. So yeah, it seems like they, they had a pretty good idea what they wanted to do. You know that Craig kind of slotted in pretty well. Um, yeah and yeah yeah winding it back and kind of making it a a, a prequel of sorts um it's it's, it's an interesting idea and it, it allowed them to rebuild the franchise from scratch which I mean they as you say they've done this before with each of them they kind of try and give a new focus um but this is the first one that really I think resets it uh, Lazenby maybe if he'd made more than one since he got married could have queued up more of kind of a a continued kind of a plot thread with that, or or a more psychologically complex right. bond, uh, but it do, it was not passed since Lazenby left. So um, yeah, this this is definitely uh, definitely promising. And I have to admit, I have actually not watched any other of the Daniel Craig films at this time. So if I if I say something that's kind of like solved in one of the subsequent films, it's a surprise to me. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens because I understand these are more connected than maybe the previous Bond films were from each other.
1: Yeah, it's it's the continuity is very interesting. There's more um, there is more connection, I guess you could say. Um, I don't want to give uh, too much away as uh, not to ruin your first experience. But uh, yeah, well, don't worry uh, it'll, too it'll much be, about
0: it. I, you know, <laughs> I know Blofeld's back and stuff like this. But, yeah, you know. uh,
1: yes, we'll 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 get there. We'll cross that bridge uh, when we jump it. But um, all right. Well, uh, it, with a corkscrew uh, slide whistle um, and <laughs> all right, well, well,
0: all right, no slide whistles in this one. No, it's a stunning. Already lack, docking at a point.
1: Yeah, stunning lack of slide whistles. Uh, pretty much all throughout the Craig era, the sound effects are uh, more oh, grounded and less uh, cartoonish. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> Give me to say. something to
0: look forward to. Come I, on, I know
1: we don't we don't stoop that low. Um, Is there any yellow uh, face at least? Does he do uh, blackface uh, at any point? Are they going to have to pull it off Hulu? No, this this he has not yet made what is to be an unofficial Bond film by soiling it with blackface. Very much a topic in the media right now. Um, So, yes, thank you, Bond, for at least getting one thing right. Um, But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Casino Royale, Bond Genesis. um, The year is 2006. Uh, Beautiful pre-title sequence. It's uh, it's black and white. It's stark. It takes place largely in an office and a restroom. Uh, Bond is sent to Prague to kill a MI six uh, officer or station head of station in Prague. Uh, basically, he's gone rogue, and Bond's assignment is to dispatch him and his contact. And the uh, this sequence is just amazing. Um, I don't think you could ask for a finer pre-title sequence in any of the films. Great, it's, great
0: opener. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it's. It's beautifully shot. It's, got it's like a, a st- st- film noir. yeah I mean, ahead. I would say when yeah when, when I when I saw this, like, my really put in mind pretty well. Like the the Dutch angles, there's a lot of off camber angles and stuff. Really shot me to like as a film noir or the third man specifically, I guess. And it's kind of obvious Eastern European locale, or even you know the spa you came in from the cold. But yeah, yeah it, it comes back to very specific kind of. Uh, different kind of spy film to james bond necessarily like the spy who came in from the cold is mm-hmm. a very different spy movie any almost all of the john le carré ad- adaptations really i mean like i feel like they they form you know ian fleming and john le carré are like the you know two ends of spy lore with ian fleming leaning a little bit well it is film legacy at least more towards kind of Uh, spectacle and kind of uh, entertainment. And then Jean Le Carré is more psychological, uh, starker, darker, um, a little bit, uh, it's more like a lot more cynical. So I think this really, you know, within within just a couple of shots, this has really established that we are looking at a James Bond film that's starting to kind of look under the hood. Um, Yeah. Which is, yeah, really... Really promising, exciting. It's it's a good idea. It's about time, you know. The franchise has been running for thirty more years at this stage, so why yeah. not?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's terrific. And there's what's great is to see the two modes of uh, Craig here as well. He is super cool, just sitting in a chair with this guy dead to rights. But then we also cut to the bathroom brawl, where uh, this is Craig is, I believe. I would say, uh, inarguably, the toughest of the Bonds. Like, if they were all to get into a fist fight with each other, he'd kill the other
0: five. Um, Craig is so a force to be reckoned with. He's got that modern conditioning, you know? Yeah, he's got, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's got the build, did, he's got I the did, training. I did, I did, but did oddly learn he's the shortest James Bond yet. Um, of the yeah. official Eon franchise, I never realized all the rest of them are like six two-ish, and, and Daniel Craig is like myself five ten, which means I must be basically pretty similar you're, to Daniel Craig. Wow, I take
1: that you're the next uh, James Bond. Wow, uh, that's yeah, awesome. That's it? I think I think that puts me in a Timothy Dalton era uh, camp at six one. But uh,
0: wow, yeah. Well, there you um, go.
1: We get yeah. So uh, Bond dispatches the uh, the rogue agent, and then we get. One of the many first strokes of brilliance in this movie, uh, the gun barrel is incorporated into the narrative. And he we we see the guy that he shoots and kills and then it segues into the pre-title sequence. And when I saw this in the theaters, that totally just blew my mind. I was immediately on board with how the film was looking. And by the time it did that, I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be good. I was strapped in. And as is a kid on Christmas morning, um, how do you how do you feel about this move they do with the gun barrel?
0: Gun barrel is uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a change to bring it in. Normally runs first thing, um, yeah. It, it's and a, a much more stark kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it gives something of the impression, giving the impression that he shoots the guy down the barrel of the gun he's holding. But uh, if nothing else, it it announces kind of. I suppose if everything up until that has seemed a little bit unfamiliar, I mean, it's in black and white as well, which I don't think any of the Bond films prior have used black and white in any capacity uh, that I can recall, Um, even if they don't really depend on flashbacks too much, but, you know. Mm nothing like so I mean we, we've got as we say something that's kind of started off in a very different mode to bond standards and then suddenly there it is it's back you know we know what's happening the blood drenches down a little bit more vigorously than before yeah um, and we're kind of we' we're, we're, we're brought right back into you know we're you know it's gonna kind of like it's familiar but we're we're kind of experimenting it's gonna be a little different which it definitely I think is is exactly. What you want? It's kind of what they promised with the Brosnan era, but they never really quite got there. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of talk when it came into the nineties that Bond would, you know, you know, is Bond a dinosaur? Will he change? And it it didn't change that no, much. No, it was so, just a slightly this, glossy
1: makeover, yeah, you could say. Yeah.
0: So so this this definitely kind of pushes to, um, you know, kind of a yeah. Let's see, like I'm I'm all aboard at this point too. And the and the fight in the bathroom is a. Like a great visceral kind of head crashing, like
1: oh yeah, kind of they, sweat
0: drenched kind of a, a brawl, which is becomes kind of a thing throughout all of this film. And, I there's mean, we, a lot we of talk- just like little
1: like they go through the partition walls of the the bathroom stalls. They at one point like a gun goes off, and a, a squib must have been set up in the sink because just this neighboring sink explodes and uh, mirror touch. cracks and yeah, uh, it's yeah, and it's it and tactile, it's kind fantastic. of like lays
0: out. Yeah, it, it lays out something that becomes kind of a theme throughout the film, which is that this is Bond's adversaries in this film are much more capable than in right. any film prior, maybe other than Red Grant, who was a very specific kind of a right. bad guy, and that the fights in this are, you know, it's not the Roger Moore like lightly, you know, dispatch five guys and then just like sh- check his tie and, and wander off. <laughs> um, yeah, You know, every <laughs> fight in this is very much a, a, a battle between professionals. Uh, and also that Bond is inexperienced. He's he's only getting used to being a cold-blooded killer.
1: Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, Roger Moore once took out uh, three hockey skaters. Well, he was in his <laughs> boots, no problem. But yeah, these, yeah, Craig always has a bit of a challenge when it comes to the fight scenes. And I think that's, you know, that makes for a more grounded more realistic bond
0: but yeah uh, the... i don't doubt him i don't doubt him as well that craig says apparently that he spent most of the shoot uh, shooting various stages of pain from just the pure physicality of the role <laughs> and honestly looking back and i'm like yeah you know what i don't actually doubt you too much it looks it looks pretty rough you know kind of at the next stage you know, from george lazenby who frankly did take a norm- number of what looked like big headshots in <laughs> on her majesty's secret service oh yeah but, uh, i'm and sure that was, was a just a big slaughter too yeah
1: Yeah, well, yeah, so gun barrel goes off, kills the bad guy, and then we hear this. This is uh, You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Um, I'm a fan. I think it rocks. Uh, I think it's a good uh, introductory Bond song. Uh, what do you think, Jack?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it definitely, again, just do, do kind of along with the title sequences, I think it really... it. it ekes out new ground. I'm not, the the song is a bit like, it's a rock song and it's got a little bit of like almost a Eurovision cheese over kind of like the chorus for me a little bit, but I'm not, I wouldn't really complain too much. Um, It it fits. Chris Cornell was wise enough to try and and not try and uh, stick the phrase Casino Royale in there, um, which probably would have led to a much weirder experience for everyone involved. You Know My Name is uh, much more, again, announcing itself. Exactly. Kind of, it's new, but we but we all know where we're at. So yeah, it's it's clever. I like the opening credits. They're uh, kind of an interesting setup. We lose the nude women, nude silhouettes. Uh, they're gone, which frankly, they would have looked a little weird and out of place. So we're left with a lot of kind of uh, playing card iconography, which fits in perfectly with it. Um, and a lot of like kind of interesting regressive patterns, kind of like uh, you kind of uh what would you say repeating patterns and stuff kind of uh, moving out which kind of it's kind of an interesting yeah. looking sequence and uh, fully animated i believe like it's not it's not um you know live action at all yeah, with like, it's you know,
1: people in a silhouetted studio or yeah
0: yeah so, it's all uh, animated
1: yeah, yeah. oh sorry go Senses. ahead was,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, like yeah, <laughs> as I say, it just sets sets it up pretty well. we got to get back in the swing of these things. We haven't recorded one of these in forever. I know, yeah, oh, we're just so excited. Terrible. But,
1: yeah, it uses the um, the motifs of the uh, the four card suits, or, uh, like, they represent bullets and weapons, um, Bond's loading a gun with spades, and, yeah, there's some cool little uh, animated fight sequences where everybody just, when he kills somebody, they explode into... Mm-hmm. Uh, just showers of hearts and diamonds and clubs. Uh, and does it's not followed through in the main film?
0: No, Faults no advertising.
1: That, oh that would have been fantastic, though. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. And then the uh, title sequence literally ends with like Bond walking from the shadows into the limelight, and uh, right as you know my name finishes, and yep, we certainly do. And yeah, I great, great title sequence, great song. I mean, this movie's just ah. Go home and watch it tonight, people. Do whatever you can to lay your eyes on Casino Royale if you've never seen it. And if you have, go watch it again. It'll do you some good in this world. Um, and then, yeah, so after that, I believe we cut to uh, Uganda where we meet our villain, uh, Le Chief, played by the always excellent Mads Mikkelsen. Um, basically, he's securing $100 million in funds um, that he's using to, uh, it's kind of complicated on the first watch, but what he's basically doing, uh, just to kind of t- skip around a bit, is he's trying to lowball the stock market. There's this new jet coming out, and he's putting all of the money on the stock that it'll fail because, spoiler alert, he has a terrorist plot in motion to detonate the plane, thus bankrupting the company. And uh, that's what Bond gets involved with. So it's
0: kind of a war. Yeah, more- that's... that's- yeah, let's uh, say that, hey. that that's Leshyfra's main plan. But I suppose he's also he's an international banker, so so he's getting the money from an African warlord who's kind yeah. of like Coney twenty oh six, I guess. Um, wow, yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna take that money and he's gonna. Obviously, basically, he's a bank, so he's just supposed to take that money and make it available to the warlord whenever. But yes, he has a plan, Lashifra separately, that he's going to take the money and actually go gamble with it on the stock market, with mm-hmm. a plan to game the stock market to make him presumably a massive profit for himself or for potentially a shadowy larger organization. Dun, dun, right. dun. So, well, that, yeah. yes
1: but yeah so uh meanwhile bond is in madagascar and he's tailing a bomb maker um played by sebastian Fukan, uh one of the inventors of or founders would you what do you call it an inventor or a founder of a, if it's a physical activity i don't know, he, I don't anyways, know. co-creator yeah. of a uh, parkour the uh yeah the the ever loving running man of, yeah free running exactly um, a skirmish breaks out, and then Bond gives chase, and then we get um, what uh, might just be the the best action sequence I would say in the entire series. I mean, I can't think of anything that tops this parkour sequence. Um,
0: I I like the parkour sequence, although there's a few points in it where I feel like they're trying to like. There's a few bits, like uh, particularly this one sequence where it's it's overall definitely it's a great sequence and it's a it's a clever sequence because it establishes something early on, which is that bond works smarter not harder even at this point that like he's able to keep pace with this dude by yeah. just being a little smarter than him throughout the chase but still obviously very physical and and capable but yeah, yeah there's there's a few cuts in it where it's kind of like uh, there's one where he, I think he launched himself through where the word where, uh, Malo- Malaka, I think, is the character's name. Fukan's character like launches himself through like uh, the two doors of a car, like sideways through the through the car sideways, and the camera just sits for a weird amount of time on the car after he's run off of frame, and hmm. it's kind of like I, I just, it's it's a strange choice. There's a few other things where he just these huge jumps, and there's a cut in the middle of the jump, and I'm like. This would be so much better without the cut, but maybe it just wasn't feasible. It's, you know, it's entirely yeah. possible. But, I mean, on the whole, this is me nitpicking. It's it's a really great sequence, you say, that kind of like there's just an energy and a vibe and a sort of a, and certainly a difference. The Bond films are not rich in foot chases. They're not, Bond doesn't run. right (laughs) to the most part so um you know normally it's in a boat or a car or a plane or a hovercraft or something even more outlandish so this it's kind of yeah you get back to roots more like point break more physical sweaty difficult uh which yeah you know fits in gets us gets us in the mood and like i say also serves a dual purpose of establishing that bond is If he's still learning, he's still clever. He takes shortcuts. He does a couple of things to kind of keep pace with this guy who is, frankly, you know, expending an enormous amount of effort trying to escape him and running all over the place. And Bond just kind of like, at one point, like he gets in like one of those cherry picker lifts and shoots the hydraulics out, so it just collapses and drops him down multiple stories super quick so he doesn't have to do super stylish jumps off the elevator, which look cool, but are also much more work. Yeah, there's Um, that. So there's
1: also uh, the guy like uh, Fukan like jumps up and squeezes between like a seven inch gap between the ceiling and this drywall that's that's in place. And then Bond just bulldozes through it with his body. Um, He, yeah, he uh, also, there's the other bit where the guy like climbs up this, like the ropes of a crane and then Bond just like kicks out whatever the crane was hauling so that the ropes glide up to the top. But um, the one moment that- I like Stan- stands out for me uh, in in this sequence is um, where they're on top of the cranes and uh, the bomb maker tries to shoot Bond and his gun's empty and he throws the gun at Bond and Bond catches it without flinching and throws it back at him. That that like <laughs> that made this movie better than citizen kane for me. I don't know about you, but that <laughs> was just and it's amazing just to see him do that. And the the thing you said about like this chase going on for as long as it does is that it really caught me off guard in the movie theater because I was thinking, yeah, like Bond this is like I want this to keep going forever. Bond never has a chase this long ever. And yeah, I'm I'm so sorry. I stepped over you there. What were you going to say? I was just I got oh. lost in my excitement. Well, that that's fine. Oh. Bring the
0: excitement. No, yeah. I, I really like. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought out the part where Bond goes straight through the wall at um, oh, yes. again. I think it's a clever. Again, this balance between his smartness and just where necessary he is, as he's repeatedly referred to here and in several earlier films. But this is maybe the first film that really starts to actually explore the implications of it that he's referred to as a blunt instrument, right? And um, which is exactly what he is as a secret agent. He's the he's the, on the ground killer he's the, the guy who kind of makes the the you know the leaders the ruling class he's he's there their person on the ground to make stuff happen and so as a blunt instrument why not go through the wall it's not your wall it <laughs> gets him where it needs to be so yeah uh, I, I think it's just it's a very smart introduction and I mean, uh, frankly two very smart introductions three may if we include the the opening credits I mean this film really hits the ground running with a very impressive succession of um Kind of cleverly worked parts we have our invocation of 60 spies we know we're going to get something a little cooler a little more cynical cooler as in i guess emotionally cold rather than cool as in like uh golden eye cool or whatever i can the, the pierce brought in era i think definitely went for cool and it yeah. r- went too far um you know it has that that first sequence the opening credits establishes some of the motifs and iconography of while well, stripping away some of the more familiar ones to let us know we've changed out and then we have this great physical uh, kind of ball busting action sequence that kind of lets us know again that this is a, a bond who's big and brawny and sweaty and and physical and here and has to bring all of that with him on these missions he's not impenetrable he's not immune to damage. So yeah, it, it kind of brings us in and then off from this we end up in the embassy where he then kind of fucks up. Kind of. Uh, we'll bring that in. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of this interesting yeah. balancing act of introducing a new Bond who is rough around the edges and then we will see him become... Less rough around the edges at some things, uh, but also there's an absence there, which we'll talk about later psychologically as they try, as they trying to move inside of Bond's brain a little bit, which is frankly kind of new territory outside of once our Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, and uh, I would argue maybe uh, the world is not enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. The embassy sequence is interesting because, uh, I mean, Bond's essentially in a, a, a diplomatic safe haven. And what does he do? He goes and blows up half of it uh, just to kill a bomb maker. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it, you know, comes at the end of just this prolonged, fantastic introduction. I mean, I, we're like upwards of 20 minutes into the movie and uh, it, the main plot has not yet been established or I, I mean, you know, it's kind of been hinted at, but yeah, it's just all, all, all good intros all the time. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Bond's, he's a, you know, he's a looser, more, more dangerous person than he has been in the past. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's still kind of got that, wet behind the ears, I can do anything added to that a O agent could realistically have, but, uh, yeah, this is all just great world building in the in the world of James Bond yeah, um gosh, where are we now? So, yeah the embassy blows up, M rightfully, uh, chews out Bond for his, uh, for his actions, but, you know, I do love his excuse, I figured one less bond ma- bomb maker in the world would, uh, not be a problem, um, I believe at this point we go to the uh, the Bahamas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, he,
0: breaks, doesn't he breaks into M's apartment first, I believe. Uh, I think that's yes. in there. Yeah, I and think just, so. Yeah, you know to give her M's one apartment. more reason to be pissed off at her. Yeah, and worth mentioning, where computer. Judy Dench returns. We we don't go with full chronology here. Judy Dench remains Bond as she was in the Brosnan era, but uh, kind of a uh, yeah. Just why not bring that over? She's she's pretty good in the role. So
1: yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think, uh, you know, she's one of the few uh, carryovers that really works. Um, But, yeah, Bond uh, goes off to the Bahamas. He's tailing uh, another guy, Dimitrios, uh, who is a contact with um, the bomb maker. And uh, we get this great sequence where Bond arrives at the hotel, and um, these two uh, German guys uh, mistake him for the valet, and then Bond goes and helpfully parks their car for him to cause a distraction. And, this is a uh, fun
0: sequence, yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't sure if he did that on purpose or not. I think he just did it to be an asshole.
1: Yeah, well, I think he did. It to be, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a little little column A, little column B. It it serves a dual purpose. Oh, he, um, he,
0: that's right. He does create a diversion with it as well. So yeah, yeah. I did not like. Did he drive there dressed like the valet? I. I forgot to check that. Is he dressed the same? Because well, he gives his car, which also fun thing about it. He's driving like a Ford Mondeo at the start, which is like, yeah, who, the, when will we ever see Bond <laughs> in one of those ever again? 2006,
1: baby. But Crazy. yeah, no, he is kind of dressed like I mean, he's got, you know, he's got khaki pants and uh, or like they're, you know, they're fitted and he's got a, a white dress T-shirt um, that's a button up. But he is similar looking to a valet. But what he does is he like bends down to tie his shoe to kind of case the joint and see where the cameras are and i think the two german guys mistake him for the valet and bond you know quickly improvises as you know his solution so yeah him being an asshole and smashing it and then the cherry on top is uh, him getting out of the car and then just casually checking the keys aside like (laughs) like there i parked it for you um no
0: more use for them
1: yeah so, yeah, he uses the, and he does break into the server room. He finds the the tapes of uh, when the text message to the bomb maker was sent, and he does pinpoint the guy who sent it. So um, Bond ends up tailing him around the island. He has a face-off with him at a card game in the hotel lobby. Um, and then uh, he also uh, beds his uh, woman, Solange, who, the name of the actress, I don't have... Um, written down at the it moment but yes, yeah, she, she's the, introduced
0: yeah. on a horse on the beach that's Solange go. Katerina Marino who's uh, yeah, South American go. relief I don't have I don't have him down as betting her I think he leaves beforehand but he, he would have but business right. interjects but I guess we can argue the technicalities of that at least he leaves her with some caviar so he's that's not he's true, not totally yeah. totally cruel champagne and i believe he asks for
1: one glass and then immediately heads off to the airport because that's where uh, Demetrios is headed so um really just kind of a, a, a moving along um like this is one this whole first third of this movie is basically one mission of what could have yeah. been a full film um because yeah yes, we certainly. go from the bahamas to the airport uh he tails the guy through the um those uh blank well we name.
0: we hit the we hit the whatever the living plasticized people exhibit yeah, first I and mean, he he exactly. touches off with demetrius and that's it and i suppose yeah it's worth mentioning here there's much more of a process on and we've talked about this i guess on and off through previous films but ever so often bond actually goes into like real secret agent mode and does like actual spy stuff like you know right. tailing people and Picking up clues and figuring stuff out, and there's a lot of that in this section. Starting as he gets into the, well, I guess starting with him breaking into M's uh, apartment, and then from there, kind of gathering information and putting things together, and it's it's very swiftly and efficiently delivered. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice break though from I guess because we we have had I suppose an overwhelming amount of action at this point. So nice to sit back and watch him just be a spy for a little while.
1: Yeah, it was the uh, the body world exhibit is where he goes where, you know, it's a lot of um, real bodies just kind of frozen in these different positions. It's a exhibit on you know the physicality of the human body. I actually went to one of those like a year or two before the film came out. So it was kind of interesting to see that. I'm guessing this must have just been a huge thing at the time. Um, because it was, like between,
0: I remember us.
1: Between this and like World Series of Poker with Texas Hold'em, I think this is, you know, we always say Bond kind of apes on the uh, trends of the time. And, uh, you know, it's a little more obvious with like Roger Moore dipping into, you know, kung fu films or exploitation, And I think many people might forget that with Casino Royale, that it is very much a reflection of, uh, you know, the times. And I think they even mentioned 9-11 as happening at one point. Um, but, they, uh, they do. know yeah. it,
0: uh, It's Bond canon, basically, that uh, Le Chiffre did nine eleven or the, the, the business supporting him, which the, is yeah. actually kind of, um, there, there was discussion. Basically, they talk about that someone shorted the airline market the day of nine eleven to make a massive fortune. And there yeah. was actually discussion. I remember when nine eleven went down, there was talk about some irregularities to the stock market at that day as well, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a real thing. Uh, I think I, you know, <laughs> I think I, it was just one of those things on top of everything else that were like, is it financial crimes? Because we care about those, but it That's wasn't true. really. But you know, it, it is interesting that yeah, they they actually invoke 9 11 as a specific uh, kind of spy gambit, which is a little. I don't know. I mean, I, I it doesn't bother me, but then again, I didn't lose anyone in 9/11, so it's kind of like I I wonder it's it's a strange one to bring up considering that otherwise the film is not particularly concerned with post 9/11 politics per se. So it right. but anyhow, just kind of an interesting I'm a little I was a little surprised when it came out. It's like, "Oh my gosh, the Chief did 9/11. Who would have known?" Yeah. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's but, for a uh, laser sequel, I guess. It's true. But, you know, his only real crimes in this film are uh, attempted terrorism. Uh, he doesn't actually ever pull anything off, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, Bond uh, stabs and kills Demetrius, um, essentially donating his body to the museum, um, which I think is a, was very sweet of him. Then yet he chases another guy who's uh, dressed in a security outfit to the airport. And then there's an entire chase sequence on the tarmac, um, where he's fighting off this guy in a, uh, a gas tanker truck that is just leaking fuel. Um, and then it's, it's really a, quite an, an extended, exhausting sequence, and Bond's like, you know, he's getting on the phone with MI6, he's letting him know what's going on, and then they realize, oh, shit, the plane that is supposed to launch tomorrow is at the airport. We need to stop it from exploding. Um, but yeah, Bond, you know, luckily saves the day despite uh, destroying a lot of <laughs> things in the process. I think a couple luckily, of cop cars. Luckily, embassy. Yeah,
0: yeah it's exactly. A good embassy support. Um, but again, the fight with this with this terrorist is again kind of a, a f- an evenly matched physical brawl. Again, you know. This guy is obviously a very capable international terrorist, so Bond has to, you know, pull out the stops to stop him. So, which, you know, it's kind of a nice touch. We don't have, again, like, Roger Moore would just, like, do some, like, I don't know, he'd end up on a baggage carousel or something, and Bond would, like, you know, (laughs) crack wise about it before heading away for the whole, like, airport bar. But in this one, (laughs) yeah. Lots of things explode, as you say, and then the uh, Miami police unceremoniously arrest James Bond. Oh,
1: my God. I just imagined a sequence where Roger Moore hits a guy and he, he gets knocked onto the suitcase carousel. And uh, he'll, like, quip – it'll be like a an ADR quip where he says, Don't you hate it when the airport loses your luggage? And then he runs to catch the next guy or whatever. But
0: it's what it would be. That's what it would be. <laughs> it we can write
1: these ourselves. Um but uh, one character detail, though I love, is that um, like the bomb is a keychain, and we see Bond notice it, and uh, off screen he unclips it from the uh, the bottom of the truck that it's attached to, and uh, he grabs. There's like a quick shot of him like grabbing this guy by the belt when he tries to jump out of the truck, and then you just think, oh, he's just keeping the guy in to fight him. But then we see it has a purpose because the Bond attaches the keychain to the guy's belt, and then there's that great shot. Of uh, the guy activating the bomb, realizing it's on his person, and then him exploding off screen, and then Bond just smiling. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. This uh, this movie deserved every Oscar. At this, at um, this
0: point, we don't. At this point, we don't know how many people he's killed between the pre-credit sequence, which documents his official first kill. As first two kills, first yeah. two kills, yeah. We didn't mention, yeah, uh, yeah. We we don't we don't know. Prior to that, into this movie, how many people he's killed. But he still seems to enjoy it. And, I mean, you've got to love your job. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like oh, a license to
1: kill. kid in a candy shop. I, <laughs> give me all the Bonds. <laughs> There's bombs. so
0: many people There's... everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he just uh, becomes a, an exterminator with a, you know, get out of jail free card. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, Bond... By doing so, saves the plane and Chief loses all of his money. So the next logical step would be to host a poker game in Montenegro, at the Casino Royale, to get it all back. Because now he's in debt over a hundred
0: million dollars to these um Ugandan warlords, um who have yeah. a poor sense of humor about such things. If I am to understand their their modus operandi, <laughs>
1: that's
0: true. Yeah. So, so yeah.
1: Bond, uh, this
0: sets up, I guess, the bond, the the plot proper. The casino game yeah. is really is the central plot, and also, yeah, kind of brings us into uh Eva Green, who shows up. Like she's frankly, it's like we're an hour into the movie at this point when she finally shows up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I I love the the notion of introducing characters as they're needed, and yeah, Eva Green makes a hell of an entrance on the train. Uh, she and Bond exchange lengthy, getting to know each other conversations that are that are
0: sharp. This is a and this is a great conversation, and this is really, I think, the first uh, um, kind of you know we're we're getting a sense of a younger Bond and of a kind of you know how what motivates them. You know, at one point he mentions earlier about how he likes you know married women right. specifically. He's not quite he's not quite flirtatious in the way that previous Bonds would be. There's something a little bit more. Uh, kind of malevolent I guess about his his politics with women um, and then this this conversation with uh, with Vesper Lind as her name character name Eva Green is really it's, it's a really great conversation it's full of these just fantastic little repartee kind of like quips and stuff but it is uh, probably the first attempt to psychologically profile Bond although we'll never know or I'm guessing we probably will not know how accurate it was, that he, Bond shows off by profiling her, and then she does it straight back. And yeah. there's kind of a, a kind of thing. And then at the end of it, she, she asks him, how how is your lamb? And he just says, skewered, one sympathizes. And it's just this fantastic uh, uh. example again of, uh, we, you know, uh, the, the Brosnan era was kind of uh, dabbling with strong women. Um, and uh, they did it brilliantly, as we've discussed, I think, with Tomorrow ne- with, yeah, tomorrow Never Di- or The world is not enough. I always get the titles of those confused. They're too generic. Yeah, but the world fair. is not enough. Uh, with Sophie Marceau's Electric King, who I would consider to be maybe the best female character in a Bond film, one of the most interesting foils for Bond, certainly. Yeah. Um, but uh, this kind of brings back in... Yeah, the idea, you know, but uh, I guess guess um like Halle Berry's character in uh, whatever the next one was. no, what's the next one called? To die, to die something, everything's to die, die, Berry, die, die another, another day, day. <laughs> she, I, she's coming out with no time to die which is oh, the next man. one that's coming out but uh, Halle Berry was like very much, and Michelle Yeoh, throughout the Brosnan series they they kind of had like a bunch of like kick ass women, kind of very much like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer girl power concept, yeah, Um. Which was a uh, kind of lip service. Like, frankly, Sophie Marceau was far and away the most interesting of them. And she was not the one who was, like, doing kung fu or whatever in the middle of, like, you know, a fight or whatever. She was holding her own in a very different way. Yeah. Um, so Vesper Lind is, is much more, like, kind of, she's in the same line, I think, as Electra King. She's actually properly fleshed out as a person. Um, and we and we uncover more about her as the film goes on, uh, which is I you know becomes an important kind of mechanism for the film. Um, the way that she holds her own with Bond, that she is equally kind of cynical and playful as he is, that she is uh, deems herself to be superior to him. Um, all kind of creates this interesting energy between the two. Them, but there's also obviously a, a sexual chemistry that, you know, we know they're not going to have a Bond film where it's like, no, we're just friends. That's it. We're, <laughs> we're not there yet. Maybe someday. Who yeah. knows? But, you know, it. but also not really needed in this film. This film goes in a, a fairly interesting direction with all that. But this this meeting is. Fantastic. You know, and it's kind of it's nice. This film is able to, to mix up action and dialogue in a way that kind of satisfies both. Not usually a strong point of the franchise, frankly. I mean, there's a couple of really undeniably funny one liners throughout the Bond franchise, but there aren't that many sequences of two people talking that you're like, this is really good.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, dialogue in Bond films, I'll you know say, it's certainly not the strongest when you stack it up to something like, oh, I don't know, David Mamet or anything. But um, yeah, uh, this is is fantastic and as sharply written as one could hope for. And I, you know, is it's just not that Casino Royale can just do action well. You know, it does character well, it does di- dialogue well. You know, these feel like real people. And I mean, Vesper Berlin is easily our strongest leading lady since. Um, I mean, yeah, you said Sophia Marceau, but also, like, there's shades of Tracy in there from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This is, you know, a woman who's very smart and capable, but also is haunted by a a dark past. And I, yeah, I think the movie's all the better for it. And I think, you know, Vesper will will come to haunt the the later Bond films, Uh, spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah, great sequence on the train. Um, They get into Montenegro, uh, and they basically set up uh, they meet their contact there is uh, Rene Mathis, um, played by I again don't have the actor name in front of me. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's
0: Giancarlo Giannini who I am. Yeah, i right. It's a face I know I've seen many times before, but I couldn't place him particularly in this in this one. But yes, their contact on the ground, their their man in Montenegro.
1: Yeah, he's he's great. I love him. He's a he's a he's a fun Bond ally. He you know knows the lay of the land. Um, and uh, yeah, they're there for the uh, the name of the game is uh, Texas Hold'em. It's 10 players.
0: Uh, let me ask, have you ever played uh, Hold'em before? Or are you familiar with any of the uh, rules? I mean, I know, where... the, I know the generals. I'm not a poker player. I know the, yeah. the general layout, but uh, I I wouldn't last long in there. I just take the buy-in money and just leave. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my strategy.
1: We're short $10 million. Wait, where did the Irish gentleman go? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he he hightailed it. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, you know, I love I, I'm a big poker player uh, myself. I love Hold'em. Um, I used to play regularly with some people before the uh, pandemic happened. And now I can't go to anyone's house anymore. But um, yeah, I think the you can get with, one of them big plastic screens around all of you. <laughs> so you
0: can just, man, just <laughs> I,
1: I look at those and I laugh and I say, who needs to go to a casino that badly? Just play online. Oh, you'll, you'll be safe. Oh,
0: some people do. <laughs> I know. But,
1: yeah, the thing about um, depicting poker in movies is that the film is going to be written in a certain way where everybody gets the cards they need to make the scene dramatically interesting, and in real life, poker does not happen that way at all. It's mostly just folding when you have a shit pair of cards or you try to bluff your way into, a, you know, knowing somebody's... It's basically picking up on tells, which they do touch on here. Le Chiffre has a tell where he touches his uh, the side of his eye. Um we forgot to mention that uh, he's got it basically has a dead eye and uh, he weeps blood from a you know an a improperly functioning tear duct but um
0: yeah you know, so the usual yeah, stuff
1: exactly so yeah the poker poker is is exciting to watch in this movie uh, in my opinion you know not since golf have i enjoyed watching people do things that others do for leisure but um it is not in the least bit realistic but you know that's no, okay it's, it is it's okay yeah. to it's okay. To, they they got to take little some license. Liberties. I mean, you
0: said there's there, there's ten players in this, but honestly, there's there's two. One of them becomes fave, uh, important later on. We're interested in Jeffrey Wright plays Felix Leiter. That's who right. spawns Bonds, erstwhile American contact, but he's he's in the film for a period of time just as one of the other poker players. Um, also an interesting I I didn't realize at the time watching it, but um. In this poker game and in one of the previous ones we played, Dimitrios, uh there's two women, Diane Hartford and Tsai Chin, who show up. I think that's the actress's names, but mm. they are actually from previous Bond films, from uh, Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. So kind of a nice little callback there, you know, kind of enjoining, you know, yeah. kind of uh, arms across the aisle, reaching back to the franchise as a whole. But yeah, um, I mean, uh, poker is... It, this scene is a, like the whole sequence it's got a couple of you know nice bits in it you know it, it's certainly entertaining but uh, there's a few things that are a little bit stilted for me particularly uh, most notably at this uh basically annotates the game really awkwardly right. he's like because him and vesper linda over the side and he just keeps telling her about poker and it's a, it's just a bit it's a bit much and um, they, they do a pretty good job otherwise of delineating that it's like look if someone has a bunch of aces in their in their deck then they're probably doing pretty well and um, right uh, you know and as you say they, they don't they don't give into any complications of anyone else at the table being any good at poker <laughs> effectively it's basically le chifre versus bond everyone else uh, sucks apparently at poker yeah um i mean it's it's one of those things and it's kind of a, a fun part of this that you know he would to win his money or to regain the money he lost he just open up a poker game which no matter how good you are at poker it's still at a massive risk to take but he's he's confident enough to do it um, yeah so you know what? Why not? But yeah, it it works. Um, you kind of it's easy. I think it's easy enough to follow as long as you have use the basic notion of poker. Um, which makes me question whether Mathis's commentary is particularly necessary. It's a little bit, a little bit heavy-handed. But so be it. Small complaint.
1: Yeah, you know, I think they, you know, unfortunately, Bond does kind of have to reach out to the back row every now and then. So, you know, the Chief's there, or uh, excuse me, Mathis is there. He's got to say $150 million in the pot right now. So... Just so that the audience knows the stakes with a That's capital just, yeah, S. Yeah, it's
0: important. Uh, the one thing, my my big question, because we we break out this poker sequence with several mini sequences. Of yeah, varying oh, yeah. varying import. But I do wonder how many shirts does James Bond go through in this game? I I was Dozens. just thinking the same
1: thing. You know, he uh, uh, at least three by my count. Um, you know, <laughs> he least. goes through.
0: I mean, he sits in the shower for one as well. So I think th- I think he goes through at least four. Oh, that's in this. You're
1: right, yeah. Well, I mean, the first time oh, is, he- is he kills the uh, the two Ugandan warlords come to collect uh, the money from Le Chief and they threaten him and his girl. Um, but they notice that Bond is eavesdropping, so they have this great fight down a stairwell, um, uh, which I quite like a bit. Not only because A, Bond throws one guy over the side of the stairwell at the top, but B, <laughs> Vesper is like frantically trying to run away from them the whole time by going down the stairs, and they keep throwing each other down the stairs next to uh, Vesper um.
0: so the gravity of the situation once you're once you're in <laughs> MI6 you can never get out you know but yeah I mean obviously this is a key scene because it's sort of what radicalizes Vesper I guess or at least uh, uh, I guess strips down her walls so Bond can get in and kind of understand what makes her tick uh, because yeah. she's not a field operative she's not there she's not supposed to be around when people die
1: Right. Yeah. No. She's. Um. I think she. You know. She's got the role of the accountant. She's. You know. Mostly just a desk agent. So the field life is not something she's in the least bit accustomed to. And then. You know they they it's a very. Bloody battle and and you know Bond has to go change his shirt because obviously he's covered in another guy's blood but I think we're meant to surmise that like Vesper spends basically the entirety of the rest of the next round of poker in the shower because Bond just finds a broken wine glass and she's a. You know, just a, a a mess. But you know, he, he consoles her, and it's a very you know a very warm and very touching sequence between the two of them. But um, yeah, after the after that, then Bond is uh, poisoned. Uh, shortly after, he invents the Vesper Martini, um, which uh, they ask <laughs> As him if he'd like. As one does it. when we just he, yeah, I love say, the bit. You know, of, you know everybody asking for the same one after uh, he orders it and also asking "You would you like that shaken or stirred and he's like dude do I look like I give a damn and you know it's the kind of it's the kind of like knowing humor you get when you make a film that's a prequel but uh, I, I, I enjoy <laughs> yeah, you it see,
0: you see if I were under pressure I, I'd invent a cocktail and it would suck I'd be like yeah, it's gonna have like vodka and uh, like just coke and mud and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't work so he's very good, you know, with his whatever three three ounce gin and whatever you know it's all very convincing, and they do and they do a very nice little lemon rind in the center, like a little spiral, which is very very nice, uh you know, yeah, man, I won't drink now. So I, should have, I should have watched this with a martini. I, I know. Another oversight. Oh, well, I'll just yeah. have to
1: watch it again. So, listeners, if you still have not put this on yet, fix yourself up a nice martini, uh, even though I don't drink. But, uh, yeah, There, there is yourself. one point
0: as well. I, I, one thing I think is a bit funny. Okay, so we have Mathis uh, basically commentating on the poker game really awkwardly in the corner, and then he gets poisoned by drinking the martini, um, mm-hmm. and so he has to rush out, and his heart is going to stop. And uh, I think it's really funny here because they have to brief Bond on how to use the defibrillator that they give him in his car, which is, I feel like that's probably would come in with the training. Like, if you're going to do anything, you probably want to brief him on how to use that. But, of course, he ends up uh, dying, actually, because the wire isn't hooked in. He actually, his heart stops, you know? So, and Vesper uh, intervenes because she's back out of the shower and kind of recovered because she realizes, I guess, at this point, if we're reading into the film, that... Uh, kind of like metropolis the the hands and the head must be united by the heart, but the hands in this film are all about killing rather than uh, production. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, she's the head, and, and Daniel Craig is the hands, and they'll need both of them to defeat uh, Le Chief. Yeah, some
1: of these hands are stopping hearts in this movie, now that you mention it, but um, that's the very... strangling
0: uh, necks <laughs> and smashing people's heads into stuff, because, you know, that's what it is. But you still need an accountant. Everyone does. Tax sure. season comes around, you know, so... That's how it is. Yeah, and then
1: you know it could be mis- seen as a you know as an expression of having feelings for him with her uh, resurrecting Bond, but it's actually also vital to this greater scheme of things that we are not yet privy to, and especially Bond is not you know be blindsided by the truth of who Vesper is and what she's ultimately wor- working for. But um, which yeah, of we're course
0: not- is hinted at here because Bond loses as well in his uh, loses his game. He because- calls. Le Chief on his bluff and yeah he's wrong.
1: Yeah, Le Chief actually utilizes the uh his tell against Bond uh, when he actually has winning cards and then um fortunately uh, Bond is like who's you know we've established as this reckless and dangerous character. He was like ready to grab a steak knife from a table and just knife Le Chiffre to death in the middle of the casino. Um but Luckily, Shorter
0: movie that way.
1: I know. But luckily, uh, you know, Felix Leiter stops him, and introduces himself. And, you know, this is a that made me giddy in the theater because we're not supposed to know who he is yet. And it's like, oh, it's Felix. You know, it's we haven't had a proper Felix, not since uh, License to Kill, which you 20, almost like 17 years. Uh, it's it's true. But uh, yeah, so Felix is back and Jeffrey Wright has, unlike the other Felixes, has Continue to play him through the rest of uh, up through No Time to Die, which is slated to release in November. We hope, um, but <laughs> circumstances yeah. allowing. Circumstances allowing, yeah. So uh, get to the end of the poker game. Bond wins. Um, is kind of as being a poker player, it is kind of a humorous sequence to see the four players as they each make their turn. Each guy has a progressively better hand, culminating oh, with Bond. Bond
0: with the best hand. <laughs> Um, I, I like they held some reserve and they only gave him like a straight flush rather than like a royal like <laughs> right yeah they should have given him the best hand in the entire game why not uh, while yeah, no. at it, but
1: he, he would have like unveiled the king and the queen and it's him and Vesper is the king and queen of hearts and the, the yeah, royal he should, flush he should have, have pulled out or... like
0: a yeah, he should have pulled out, like, a new card, like a super extra rare card, like an Ace 2, <laughs> and threw it down. He's like, oh, whoever <laughs> is that definitely wins. <laughs> should have uh, just, like, really put a put an exclamation point on it. man, I want to see <laughs> an Jokers Ace Jokers are card. wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Bond wins. He has, enjoys a nice steak dinner with uh, Vesper, and then uh, he realizes that um, something's wrong when he discovered that... Lashief knew about the tell because presumably through Mathis, and then he gives chase to uh, Lashief, who kidnaps Vesper. But uh, they put Vesper in the middle of the road. Bond crashes his fancy uh, Aston Martin, rolls it over. Setting, yeah,
0: yeah, setting Go a ahead. Guinness World Record for right. for number of rolls. I found out, number seven barrel rolls within that. That stunt, which is a, it's a good. Uh, I mean. Fair play to Aston Martin. I know they've got loads of money because their customers are all loaded, but, uh, you know, it's nice to build something like that and then just launch it into a ditch. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, apparently they used an air jack to to fire up the car. They weren't able to use, a for, for the way the stunt worked, they weren't able to use a, a half ramp like you would often use just to drive one car, you know, one side of the car to get it a flip. They used an air jack that, like, shot down into the road which shoots up the back of the car and they managed to get seven rolls which was a... At the time, again, this world record, I don't know if someone's beaten it since, I would be surprised, but um, really great stunt, and of course he does this so he doesn't run over Vesper, which right. I guess is another way of letting us know he kind of likes her.
1: Yeah, normally she could be, uh, you know, fodder for the mission, but uh, not this time, and yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned Aston Martin having a lot of money, you know, Bond really or Craig's Bond at least, will not destroy anything in a film unless it's to set a uh, world record. I believe Spectre is currently the holder of largest outdoor explosion uh, for a film as another record. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Um, But, yeah, so Bond is captured. They're taken to, like, this, uh, like, derelict boat in a shipping yard, and then we get uh, the torture sequence, uh, which has been modified slightly from the... um, the novel uh, in the novel, it was one of those uh, carpet beaters that you would hang over and just beat out the dust on a rug while it hangs on a clothesline. And lashif would just crouch next to Bond and use that to swing up into Bond's testicles. But here it's actually, uh, which is kind of painful to watch, a knotted rope that he swings out into a chair that's got the bottom cut out of it um and yeah i do
0: i do wonder cuz they cut so here's my question looking at this sequence uh, did we see him cut the bottom out of the chair when the henchman does that so the chair was not previously there they had to make that for the occasion but he does have a huge knotted rope on that's hand a, that's so a i'm good curious point, yeah. as to how much forethought went into this torture sequence you know and it looks like a kind like it looks like the place where a lot of people could have been tortured it's a very like derelict beaten up maritime kind of scenario you know steel walls abandoned uh, but yeah um, it's strange is, is Bond the first or, or did they just the last guy broke the chair I don't know
1: that's a, a good point because yeah there is very much the deliberate the the nameless bald henchman who you know cuts out of the seat when he tosses it aside but yeah I think, I think they're largely just improvising um, but uh, yeah it is kind of kind of fortuitous that they found like the perfect rope to do such a such a devious task and um.
0: Yeah, didn't it, get his look in poker, so he's, he was lucky to find the rope later on. That's true. Got yeah. to balance out karma. Well, he is a he is a kind of a mathematical genius, they say, and
1: I, presumably he was able to calculate the odds of which the uh, ship they were going on would have a chair and a rope, perfect for such a, a situation. Um, yes, but yeah, all works uh, out. Yeah, all worked out. You know, the head of the game. We get the torture. Admit, sequence. I'm
0: surprised this gets into a PG-13 movie. It's it's not a lot not a lot of ball torture in most PG-13 films, gotta no, say. Yeah. So Yeah. Interesting touch.
1: Yeah, Bond, you know, he's he's stripped nude and he's just on this chair, and it's it's kind of an interesting, you know, moment of vulnerability. Like they have him. Basically, uh, dead to rights, and at at one moment, uh, Bond is like literally five seconds away from having his balls cut off and fed to him. I don't know if you caught that, but uh, chief was ready to move in before uh, Mr. White, the mysterious Mr. White, his other contact steps in. But um, yeah, this is a you know this is a great bit of character work with Bond because it's not only is uh, <sighs> demonstrates his resilience, but he also is able to still kind of crack a joke during it. That's totally, totally plausible. It's not like, uh, you know, not something that I think Roger Moore could have pulled off that well. Um,
0: Well, Moore would never be, like, I mean, the situation would be unthinkable in pretty much any previous Bond film, because Bond at this point has failed the mission. Pretty Well, they've managed to, he's, he's, he's won the mission in terms of the, getting the money and then he should have departed nothing else would have mattered he he would have fulfilled his goal but instead he backs himself into a corner where his life is literally on the line and he's still a hardy enough agent that he's not going to give up proprietary information he'll he'll take the hit which as you say in this case involves castration and an unwelcome dinner but uh you know he he yeah, he's, he's basically Roger Moore would never be in this. You know, none of the other Bonds would ever be in a situation where they've basically miscalculated their abilities versus their enemies and have found themselves in a situation where they are going to die. Uh, yeah. Save for, yeah, another person working for a third party showing up and murdering everyone.
1: Yeah, and also it's an interesting thing that I don't think has happened yet is the Bond villain is killed off two-thirds into the film. Um, yeah. And, uh... It is a
0: strange one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Bond is, uh... I think they're off to Switzerland where Bond is uh, recovering. Um, Mathis is arrested and taken in. And, uh, then we get uh, a nice little love montage with uh, Bond and Vesper, which, um, we haven't had since on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's kind of a... I, I like I like the sequ- you know I mean, I like this whole movie. I like this the bit of sequence with them and their character work, but you know it does lead to uh, a final moment of realization where the money has gone missing and Bond realizes it's Vesper who's taken it because she was supposed to go to the bank. Um, and then we get like this oh here we go again and Bond goes to uh, you know to the rendezvous point to you know stop Vesper and kill more people. But um, what do you think of like this final final bit of action here?
0: my my take on casino royale and i've seen it a couple of times for this point mm. which makes it even funnier that i never watched any of the subsequent films but uh, i'll i'll rectify that in time i always felt with the casino royale that it was a movie that was just a little too long and it's going yeah. i appreciated it more this time but there's still it's it's a very bumpy transition because everything is kind of hurtling along very efficiently and then we have the unexpected defeat of the Bond villain. This should wrap up the movie. And instead, we have this, what, what feels like an extended epilogue, but really is, yeah. I guess, really is actually more a prologue to a larger franchise, which is something that the Bond films don't really do. There's not a kind of a concentrated continuity between them. Uh, it's, uh, it kind of points the way forward, I guess, towards something like the Marvel universe a little bit, in that there's a large proportion of the film that's actually pointing to the next film um which is uh not i mean if you're on board with it's not exactly like bad as such when you're sitting into it but it requires this kind of the the pacing is difficult to negotiate for me because while i can appreciate what they're doing in this section which is effectively kind of uh reconfiguring our expectations that we realize math this probably wasn't the 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 tailor, the, the narc, or whatever, and that it was actually, it was uh, Vesper Lind, and we were not entirely sure whether she was doing it through coercion or if she was out-and-out a out, double agent, etc. And kind of that everything we had been building up towards has, you know, been completely, the, the ground has been pulled, kind of pulled away from beneath us, which we're experiencing alongside Bond. This, and psychologically, this points our way towards the making of James Bond as basically a extremely emotionally guarded person he realizes he can't trust anyone even the one person in the world that he picked he had the bad enough judgment that she's not really on his side she might be a little bit she probably saved his life and the the you know as it's mentioned she probably was she asked that mr white didn't kill him alongside the chief so there's there's clearly something going on between the two of them but the the actual sequence itself as we move into switzerland and venice uh, for our finale um watching it now I understand in my head intellectually I understand why this is here and what it's doing but there I still can't deny that the excitement never it never regains the momentum it loses in that shift yeah so it's its a, it feels just a little bit tacked on even though it's a, you know it's kind of like it's building out to tune in next week uh, which you know is basically what it's doing because this, this is a film that ends specifically with a kind of like not so much a James Bond will return you know in X film but like you gotta tune into the next one to find out where we're going because there's actually gonna be a distinct continuity you know Yeah. Um. and so it's it's something that he, I'm not particularly bothered by but it does it does kind of impact my viewing experience a little bit I kind of I always kind of wish maybe it'd just be that little tighter of a film to find another way to wrap up but then again I'm not I'm not a screenwriter I, didn't, I don't know how you wrap it up better than that so you know, maybe you know yeah. here and there, it's good enough to carry it through. I'm not particularly bothered by it, but definitely you know, kind of in my in my heart, watching it, I'm I'm kind of aware that to my mind, the best of the film is definitely behind me at this point. Yeah, um, which I, is kind I of an agree. unfortunate feeling. You know, you kind of you know you're you're still getting information, but there's never going to be anything like that parkour chase, and the the main game is done. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of like, but it's interesting, I suppose, in that it's it's launching something larger, and it's not as egregious as a lot of like the the as I mentioned the Marvel movies, which are always like you know, pretty much every single Marvel movie is kind of like, oh, you didn't like that one? It doesn't matter. It's really just setting it up for the next movie, and it's like movies are meant to stand alone and actually count. Yeah, good God, um, yeah. You know, and the Marvel movie and the Marvel movies are full of like just a random scene where a person shows up just so you're like, oh, I know that guy. He's going to get his own movie someday. It's like, who could give a shit? Yeah. So, uh, God, which yeah. is the, the, yeah, the Marvel concept. So it's nowhere near that level. But I, it's interesting, I guess, because in 06, this is kind of pointing towards uh, the way we'd be going. I guess the Lord of the Rings had already kind of established some of that like gigantic kind of unified thing, I guess, and Harry Potter. There were a few like, we, we, I guess they were pointing towards this kind of like, big, ongoing franchise, a universe, I guess. Right. Um, but this is nowhere near as egregious, uh, say, as some of the others. Um, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll forgive it. I am a little bit, you know, I think it's interesting that he does unite with Vesper and they have these kind of touching scenes that are much more sensual and, and freewheeling. And it's, like you say, I mean, really our, our only equivalent really is uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um. But that then it all kind of comes crashing down and it, it kind of reminds me again of electric king in terms of the thing that bond just has he's he's driven by bad women he's kind of yeah that's his bread and butter he's it's kind of what defines him as much as he tries to be aloof and and you know kind of alpha sexual predator yeah. etc or whatever you know kind of like removed but honestly uh, he he doesn't work without women pulling his strings on some level
1: yeah, no, that's very, very good points you made there. Um, you know, I always, I always got a little bit of fatigue anytime the, the third act of this movie, you know, rears its head because, like you said, all the, all the stuff I love about Casino Royale, it's all within the two thirds and um, in the novel. Um, after Le Chiffre is killed, he's he dies in the exact same way. Uh, the action of the f- novel basically stops. the The entire rest of it is the. Uh, the you know the love montage sequences and the really only thing that perks up is Vesper freaks out because she sees the guy with the uh, the glass eye patch, um, who's like named Adolf Gettler in the novel. He's a Smirch agent. She sees him and recognizes him as somebody bad, but Bond like assures her it's probably nothing. And then she is in fact killed by that guy, but there is no in- sequence of you know of course Bond raiding a. A house under construction and sinking a, a building into the middle of the uh, Venice Canal, but... Um, yeah the, the final line of the novel is uh, the bitch is dead which is what Bond says here um, about Vesper but then M, you know M says you know she actually did love you James and uh, so yeah we do we do get the the action sequence I just mentioned Bond goes in there's a there's a deleted bits to this um, I believe it's uh, Phil Noble Jr. wrote a piece online you can probably look it up about Casino Royale where Bond actually this is something he does in the On Her Majesty Secret Service novel he takes his uh, Omega wristwatch and he uses that as a set of brass knuckles, and he starts hitting people with it. And you can kind of catch glimpses of it happening in the action in the film, but it's not not quite apparent because it's oh, been edited around it. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that
0: would that would fall foul of censors. They don't like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bit of you know viciousness that I think some people would see as going too far. But uh, you know, I I wish I wish to see it happen someday. So if not, well, I know I know else. when the
0: yeah, I know the because I think like in the British rating, uh, like the film was a orig- I was originally I think edited slightly in, for a British release to get a 12s rating, and it was edited in America too to get a PG thirteen. Yeah, which is unusual for Bond films that they would require that kind of editing just to bring them down to what would be the rating they must have known they were aiming for. But I understand the, uh, some of that's been re inserted into the home video releases I know it's like it's 15s in Britain so they they reinserted some of that violence or whatever but it's interesting if they had that that they they didn't they didn't reinsert that yeah which I know I know the the British film censors are they really don't like what they call imitable violence uh, mm. you know things that people can imitate and stuff like improvising brass knuckles is uh, definitely falls under that. Uh, that that's one of those things that sticks in their crawl yeah. a little so I, I, at the same time I feel like they probably could have gotten in with the 15s they, yeah they should put that back in there I want to see Bond wailing on some dude with his watch. Uh, Why not? I I would love to see that. Yeah. Um. And then I want to see Christopher Walken carry a bashed up Omega watch up his ass for thirty years. Uh, <laughs> when. That's <laughs> gonna be that'll be the next James Bond gets a pass down to him and it'll be a whole thing James Bond <laughs> Junior. We do a gritty a, reboot of James Bond Junior. Where he gets like a, a broken a, watch uh, covered smashed in shit, up blood, yeah, bloodstained watch with Christopher Walken's shit all over it, and knows wow. he's got to join the force.
1: Wow, who who listening to this podcast would have ever thought we'd take it to that level? But um, I mean, yeah. I didn't know until we got I here, know, but now but I really
0: want to see this program.
1: I didn't know until we got there that's that's the Tarantino didn't want to do a
0: Bond movie so I know yeah it's all
1: all these you know these these named directors they want to get their hands on one and uh you know it's it's uh it's an interesting prospect but yeah we'll uh going back to the, the the you know final few moments of the film we lose Vesper not since Tracy have we had a have we lost our our leading lady she uh drowns by you know making no attempt to escape from the elevator shaft in which she's stuck in and you know she kind of she kind of realizes her betrayal and l- lets it happen and bond you know furiously gets her out of there but uh yeah it's an issue when she can't, can't she her. can't
0: face bond which uh, again psychologically plays and i don't know if the later films clarify her level of involvement if she was under duress there's some reference to a uh, French yeah. Algerian boyfriend i think because uh, she has an algerian love knot necklace that bond comments on right. i don't know if it's ever clarified though yeah whether lind is out and out a double agent or if they had some dirt on her and she you know kind of unwillingly participated but it, certainly she she obviously her feelings for bond were at least somewhat real and she can't face him or, or right. i guess right. more cynically maybe she just doesn't want to go on trial for uh, for treason which you know, I guess, I guess that could be a two, but I don't think the movie's selling that angle particularly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that just kind of hits you is you realize, oh, she's not, she's not making it through this, and you, you, not for forty years had any audiences in a Bond film seen that coming. They thought, oh, he'll save the day, you know, and then we'll just have new Bond. I mean, adventures they Terry with or without Terry
0: Hatcher died, but honestly, everyone, died, every I, everyone, mean, I mean, oh, who, who the world is not Terry Hatcher. Is a- for- that was tomorrow oh, wherever, never dies, but yeah. Tomorrow <laughs> never dies. I'm like, everyone needs to die in this movie. ASAP. <laughs> yeah, who could, who could forget Keep Terry going. Hatcher? Who didn't see who did not want to see that <laughs> I think, coming? I feel like even Terry Hatcher forgot Terry Hatcher in that movie. It's like, this sucks, whatever. Moving on.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, so you know, rest in peace, Vesper. Bond, you know, gets the one final one final clue from Vesper in the form of a text message. She he tracks down Mr. White, uh, snipes him in the leg after calling him on the phone, and then Bond walks up and says the name, Bond, James Bond. Cut to credits, cue David Arnold's re, you know, redo of the Bond theme. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's Casino Royale. Uh, you know, the final the, final the final moments of the film, I think, you know, really, you know improve that final third make it all worth it um but yeah that's the film i uh i i just i can't help but light up uh, every time i see it it's a top tier no
0: no doubt yeah
1: yeah it's it's just us it does it's an important film and it does so many things right and that i'm you know i'm far more willing to forgive some of the flaws that it has but i i think it's I think it's just excellent through and through. And I think it's also one of the most rewatchable and it's, it's a good one to in- introduce people to bond to if, you know, they're looking for where to start, you can start here and have a good time. But, um, yeah, if we don't have anything else to say on the film, you know, uh, we let's, uh, let's run some numbers, shall we?
0: Absolutely. I'm sure,
1: I'm sure you had a, uh, a hell of a time counting some of those, uh, exploding bodies oh, on the construction site.
0: <laughs> oh God. I spent, I spent an inordinate amount of time on that. They made me do math. I don't like doing math. But yes, uh, so so we, we get a total body count of about 15 people here, I counted, which is uh, elevated to most first-time Bond runs, but frankly, wow. uh, Pierce Brosnan still, with his first run in Goldeneye, holds a record with 38 on-screen kills. I don't know if we're going to top that. Maybe it, it will be difficult. Um, Goldeneye is like just in a ridiculously gun-happy movie. Uh, so Craig pairs it down a little bit, but with 15, that's that's pretty solid tally for, for any Bond film really um, and yeah and that explosion uh, I worked out, <laughs> so I was fast forwarding and rewinding through the the embassy explosion and I realised that um, <clears throat> I got my number of 4 dead in that mm. because uh, there's 9 soldiers visible in the shot just prior to the explosion but if you go just prior, like in the setup sequences that there's 12 soldiers actually there uh, they're visible in the upper windows but I'm going with the number of soldiers in the pre-explosion shot even though you know technically continuity uh, and after the, the nine soldiers there's the explosion and then five of them get back up again four of them on the ground one on the roof so I'm counting that as, as four dead nice uh, I'm taking that as my official count but yeah it took a little bit of work on that one I also i am glad I watched this again just before uh, we, we recorded this because I misattributed one of the uh, parkour guys kills to Bond mm. so I stripped that away so officially 15 dead very solid outing for uh, Daniel Craig, and obviously we get Bond's official first and second kill in this movie. So a very special occasion for us yeah. to bond over bloodshed and violence. Um, sex? I'm just counting one. I'm just counting Vesper Lind. Vesper. I think he leaves Solange with blue balls and caviar. So oh, he definitely does. Uh, yeah. So and and the age difference here between Daniel Craig was thirty eight. Eva Green is twenty six. Twelve years. Uh, uh, people on Reddit or whatever will be will be debating this but you know, as Bond goes I mean, there's we're still 30 years for your eyes only, the 30 years between Roger Moore and Melinda Havelock uh, so, mm. or James Bond and Melinda Havelock, we're not, I don't think we're going to repeat that again, I'm pretty right. sure that one's going to hold a record towards the end to, to the end of this so uh, Craig is a uh, uh, a little sect sexed down from the usual, but uh, frankly, he also really fell in with this lady. So we'll we'll give him. Although then George Lazenby managed to like four women, and he like he just sleeps around and then still gets married. It's true. truly has it all. How could you top? it? no wonder he didn't do another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, yeah, mean, that's so, kind of so the that the he led outside of Bond too, which is what uh, <laughs> burned him out as well. That that is true. So how did this do on box office? I I'm, I am imagining well. Uh yeah, well this is uh this was a smashing success.
1: Um you know, we're talking about a budget of a modest 150 million dollars, which is today about 191 million. Uh ends up grossing 167 million domestic, uh, which is 213 domestic today. Um today, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to To see, like, remember when 200 million dollars was a hit, and now it's like this movie needs to make 500 million in the US alone to uh turn a profit. I think, like, I think even with it's very sustainable, Jake, it's fine, (laughs) yeah. Ah, I know it's it's crazy, but um, the film did earn this was a huger hit overseas, it earned 616 million worldwide, which is the equivalent of 788 million dollars today. We got three quarters of a billion. Uh, at this point, adjusted for inflation, this is the, um, or not adjusted, this is the highest grossing Bond film in the series. Uh to oh, this, wow. To this okay. point, yeah. So, um, yeah, no Oscar uh, nominations, but uh, Daniel Craig was nominated for a BAFTA, and it actually did win a BAFTA for uh, Best Sound. So, um, kudos to them. But, uh, yeah. Pretty good. It's, uh, yeah, Bond was back, and it was uh, better than ever. So, we'll have to... We'll have to see where this uh, where this path of connectivity takes us. Um, yeah, do you have any final thoughts on uh, Casino Royale?
0: Not really. No, I'm am j- just fearful. Can Ken- <laughs> what will follow? But I guess we'll find out. That's for the yeah. next episode. One
1: thing I will mention um, earlier in the film, I had this written down, but we didn't say it. Uh, Bond beats Demetrios at the poker table, and he wins the 1964 Aston Martin. Then he picks up Solange at the front of the hotel, and Bond offers her a ride back to his place. Then he drives in a circle in the hotel cul-de-sac and goes back to the front of the hotel. Uh, I love that. I love it so much. Um, smooth. Yeah, very smooth. Craig is Craig. Is, I mean, we, we we haven't talked much about like Craig himself. I think he's he does so much right. You know, we talked a lot about the physicality, but he's. Also, just such an effortlessly, effortlessly, eff—I can't even speak—effortlessly cool Bond. Uh, not since you know Connery's intro at the casino and Doctor No has have we seen a Bond that feels as as smooth as
0: this. He is, and it, it's interesting though because it's it's obviously counterpointed within the film itself, commenting that he is, mm-hmm. uh, you know damaged goods to some degree or at least you know he's he's approaching there's something underneath that that's not quite right so yeah it's it's an interesting uh counterpoint because obviously Daniel Craig he's very suave and debonair and uh, frankly I when I was writing down the gadgets for this movie and there aren't many gadgets at all which have like a glove box defibrillator and a tracking implanted stuff uh, right. but i did write down as one of the gadgets is a lot of designer clothing mm. um like frankly uh, everyone in this has just turned out very very nicely i mean it's not like any of the bonds were previously poorly dressed and i know it goes with the times but uh, craig's custom tailored suits uh, are very very good um you know Wish I could wish I could rock those, frankly, but it's oh, trying yeah. to cost about $6,000 a suit, so I'm not going to be doing it anytime soon, even if I were in better shape. That's fair. Oh, well. <laughs> this yeah. is why I watch movies. I, exactly. Sitting you on my wanna... sofa with a beer, watching <laughs> movies. <laughs>
1: yeah. This is everything we aspire to be. Um... Yeah, so uh, that's it for Casino Royale. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, if you want to uh, find us online, we're at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. It's uh, where most of our social media takes place. But you can also email us at optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, if you're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, feel free to actually please please drop a drop a review and a five star rating. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also hit me up at Jake Tropila on Twitter. Uh, Jack, where can the people
0: find you? I can be found also on Twitter at Real Jack RealJackEason. Uh, so, yeah, shoot me, shoot me a line, whatever. Argue, yeah. comment, be nice. Who I don't care. I'm just still going to hang out there. This is what I do. Sure. Any observations you feel
1: we missed or didn't give enough, enough attention to, uh, feel free to hit us up. We'll be happy to chat back with you. Um, But all right, that does it for this episode. Uh, Until next time, uh, the For Your Ears Only podcast will return with Quantum of Solace.